0: Alright, let us pray. We um, come before you with a heart of thanksgiving, knowing that at the end we will see the grand purpose that God, you have ordained for our existence here. For everything, there is a purpose and there is a reason. And beyond our ability to explain, we know that you intend to do good and not harm that you will bring us to the place where we will see salvation to all of those that you have determined to be with you in all of eternity. Help us today, Lord, to understand through your word our role and our responsibility in this place and what we ought to do and who we ought to be so that your name and your will will be done and your name will be glorified in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 50 verse that is the last chapter of the book of Genesis. This is the story that ends with Joseph being sold into slavery by his own brothers. In the end, this is what he said. But as for you, you thought evil against me, but God meant it unto good to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. We know God to be all-good, all-powerful. How can we explain this problem of evil? If God is all-good and all-powerful, how can he tolerate evil? If God can't stop evil from happening, then he cannot be all-powerful because there are certain things he cannot do. But if God is all-powerful and doesn't stop evil, then he is not all good. Wouldn't it be better if there's no earthquakes and tsunamis? Wouldn't it be better if tens and millions of people don't die from wars and hunger and sickness and disease? Wouldn't it be better if children don't know what hungry is? I'm not talking about you guys, of course. You don't know what hungry is. But it's logical to conclude that God is not the author of evil. So where does evil come from? We know that God is a good God, so He surely didn't make evil. So why doesn't God stop evil? That is the question, isn't it? Before we begin, I'm not going to answer this question. No one can answer this question. The only thing we can see is the evidence that is in the Bible and what we can know about God. Only God, in the end, will show you. Even Joseph, he didn't know until the very end. There is a passage that I wake up every morning, and when I don't feel up to it, this is what I tell myself. If you falter in time of trouble, your strength is small. If Joseph gave up and he said, forget my brothers." Forget my family, they're no good, they suck. Then chapter 50 of Genesis would not be what it is today. Notice, to bring to pass as it is this day to save much people alive. There's a purpose for you and I, and it's not just for you and your kids. There is a purpose that God wants to operate through us to save much people. That is the reason why evil exists, even though God is not the author of evil. So where does evil come from? To understand the problem of evil, we need to go back to the origin. First of all, let me make it clear so that we all know where it does not come from. Job 34 verse 12, surely God will not do wickedly. Job After all this horrendous thing that happened to him, he made the conclusion it is not God that made this. What happened to me was not the result of God. God does not do wickedly. So where does evil come from? The problem that we uh, attempt to address today is called the problem of evil. Or if you want one word that describes this problem, it's called theodicy. Theodicy is justifying God. It means that we human use scientific means or use philosophy in attempt to justify that God is a good God. For me and for you, we shouldn't do this. We should believe the Bible. When the Bible said God does not do wickedly, we believe it. And that's it. That's all we should do. Because philosophy and science do not and cannot justify God ever. So when you go and debate the evil in the world and trying to attempt or in attempt to justify God, you do not do God justice. Romans 9.20 says, Nay, O man, who art thou that repliest against God? Shall the thing formed say to him that formed it, Why hast thou made me thus? We are in no position to attempt to justify God. Are you a lawyer for God? You're not. None of us are. We are all here because God made us. We don't look outside of the cosmos and say, oh, God is this way or that God is that way. Now, I'm not against trying to figure it out. I'm not against trying to be critical about our faith, but I'm not. I'm saying that there are certain things like theodicy that we are not in a position to justify God. God doesn't need our justification. He will show you in the end that He is a good God. God is not a project that we can attempt to justify. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. You're there? Good. Light, verse 4. Earth and the seas, verse 10. Grass and the trees, verse 12. Light and darkness, verse 18. Creatures in the water and in the air, verse 21. Animals and critters, verse 25. And then God concluded in the last verse of that chapter. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. The problem here is not a perfect world. If perfect means incorruptible. The issue that we have here is that God created a good world. The difference is that a good world is corruptible. Why didn't God create a perfect world? Ask God. If he tell you, then enlighten us. He hadn't told me or anyone else in history yet. He created a good world. Evil is the corruption of good. Pot, when the potter made it, it's good. And then you use it and you crack it, that's evil. Evil is not the act of cracking the pot. Evil is that the, the pot is now cracked. Think about your body, for example. All of you who were born perfect. Right? No. Good. You are born good. And now you decide, I'm going to poke out my eyes because I don't like it. Do you have the freedom to poke out your eyes? Yeah, you can do it right now. You want to do it? what you are doing when you attempt to poke out your eye is you are in introducing corruption into something that was good there's a woman she was advertised that you she can change the color of the eye so it is very expensive to have it done here so she went over to some place in another part of the world where it's cheaper she ended up with brown, beautiful eyes, which you can see even right after surgery. And it took many operations to just get back to the original state that she can barely see. Evil is the corruption of something that's good. What does that mean then? There's no such thing as evil. Evil cannot exist without good. You cannot corrupt something that isn't there. So, evil does not exist in the sense that there must be something to corrupt. If there isn't anything to corrupt, then it doesn't exist. If a pot is full of cracked, then what is it? It's impossible for a pot to be full of cracked, isn't it? Then you wouldn't have a pot if it's full of cracked evil only exists when there is good. So evil cannot exist without something that is good, and therefore evil is a form of corruption. But then some of you say, but I read somewhere in the Bible that it says God created evil. No? Of course, you guys are Bible scholars, you should know this, right? Well, let me show you where that is in the Bible. Isaiah 45 7, this is why we need to think critically about what we believe. I'm not only showing you all of the things that prove what I say is correct, but I also show you where in the Bible, where other people, smart people, when you tell them this, they will say, hey, your Bible says God created evil. We need to be aware of all the facets of our faith. Isaiah 45, 7 says, I form the light. This is God speaking. I create darkness. I make heat and create this is to say, Evil. God created evil. Great example of how we can misread biblical text. This is referred to as contextomy, meaning we take the context and we chop it up and we use it however we like. The word evil in this context does not mean that God introduced evil. The word evil here means the same thing as I will visit your sin with evil. This is the punishment, or this is the justice side of God's law. Evil means there is a recompense for the sin that we have committed or against the Lord. When you eat of this tree, you shall die. That's evil. Death is evil, but God did not create it. It is the result of something that is done against God. There is always salvation in God's wrath. Remember that, to bring a better outcome. Evil is the corruption of that which is good. Why didn't God prevent evil from happening? Why doesn't God prevent you from poking out your eye? Wouldn't that be better? That mentality is actually a modern mentality and is prevalent in the families, especially in young families today. We are trying to prevent all evils from happening because we think that it's best that our children are safe. From what? From themselves? Children are not safe from themselves unless they have been taught to know what's right and wrong. Unfortunately, we're now in that state. So if you're trying to prevent your children from evil, when you're not there, what happened? Would they learn? have to play on the structure out there in the playground? Would they learn how to drive if you don't let them drive? Would they learn how to fix the mistakes if you never prevent any mistake, or you never prevent them, or you prevent them from making any mistakes? This is the problem that we believe that we project into God. We think that we can prevent evil from happening, and that's a good thing. The Bible tells you that's not how God operates. He let evil happen for a reason to bring a better end. God is not interested in the outside. God is interested in the character. God is not afraid of evil. We are afraid of evil. God is not afraid of evil. But He knows that good will overcome evil if the character of the person is changed from the inside. I can tell you, don't do this, don't Don't do that. But if you don't know the reason why you should do good, the minute I'm not there, you do bad stuff. So is it better for me to prevent you from doing evil? Or am I better to teach you to do good? And then you make the right decision to not do evil. Genesis 2.17 But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt not eat of it. For in the day that thou eatest thereof, thou shalt surely die. Man's free will. And it is this. Man was created with free will. Is this a good thing or is it a bad thing? Is it a good thing for me to prevent you from poking out your eye? How about this? Is it a good thing for me to prevent you from doing anything that's harmful? Is it a good thing for me to cause you to do exactly what I want you to do. Suddenly, it doesn't sound too good anymore, isn't it? It would make you into what? A doll, a robot. You don't have any kind of free will. You will obey me. You will love me. Yes, you have no choice. You must and you will and that's it. Yes, master. Is that a good thing? Of course not if I present it in that way. But then we say, no, we don't have, it will be better if we don't have free will. The tree of knowledge of good and evil presents two agencies of moral judgments, meaning two ways that we can judge morality, God's will or man's will. And God said, you may choose however you want to respond to the morality question. God has perfect knowledge and therefore only makes eternal perfect choices. So we know that God's morality is perfect. What about man's? it could have been. Man makes good moral choices insofar so far as not violating God's law. That's what moral means is that you don't violate God's law, you have made a correct moral choice. When Adam ate the forbidden fruit to become the judge of good and evil, his conscience was corrupted because instead of listening to God, he listened to the serpent. From then on, he switched his allegiance from God to the serpent, and therefore his conscience was corrupted. We were created with the right moral and the ability to make right choices. But when you defy God and listen to the serpent, your conscience became corrupted. However, you still have your free will. And therefore, people listening to the devil, I want to make a distinction. The devil talks to you, but who carries out evil? You do. The devil only convinced you. So therefore, today, we still poking out our eyes because our conscience is corrupted. Have you ever think about why you do certain things and you kick yourself, you could, but then next time you still do it anyway? It's because our conscience. So our free will today can only allow us to do what is immoral. Our free will today causes us to do evil, and that's all it can do. It cannot do anything that's morally right. Titus, 1:15, unto them that are defiled, and unbelieving, nothing is pure, but even their mind and conscience is defiled. We exist today, we do evil because our conscience is defiled when we violated God's law. So today, we do have free will, but we can only do evil. We cannot do anything that is morally good. And that is the problem. So the problem of evil is our own making. We cause evil to happen. We make evil. We do evil. It is not God. But God's not afraid of us. Man's free will... Is the cause of all the evil that you see. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence, even your lust that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, yet ye have not. It all came from us, from all free will. If you want right now, you can hit the person next to you there is no physical law that prevents you from doing it. Which means, I just demonstrated to you, God does not prevent you from doing evil. But what prevents you from hitting the person next to you? For some of us, nothing besides the fact that someone else is here is watching. But if no one else is here watching, we probably do it. It just tells you that our conscience is defiled. We are capable of all bad things. There's no force in nature that prevents you from doing it. The evil that is in the world is a product of our own lust, our own mind, our own selfishness. And there's nothing that prevents you from doing it, except knowing God's law. That's the only thing. When you know something that is wrong and you continue to do it, that is called morally evil. There are things that are non-moral evil, such as earthquakes, flood, storms, these things are non-moral evil. But when we do harm to someone else, whether it is conscious or unconscious, those things are considered morally evil, and we are the product of it because God has made us into moral beings. When God saw the magnitude of man's evil in Noah's day, he caused The flood to come by, wiped everyone, save only eight people who were in God's eyes. Let me read. A just man and perfect in his generation. A just man, Noah, a just man, perfect in his generation. You and I, we could think, if we only have a good leader, everything would be fine. If we have someone, if I only have good parents, then my life would have been better. If my teacher were better, I would be a better student. What happened after the flood? What happened after God has erased all of the evil in the world, set up this perfect and just man in all his generation? What happened after the generation of Noah? Evil returned. All conscience is defiled. We can't do anything except evil. There's only one solution, God's will and our obedience to God's will. That is the only solution to evil. But he presents another problem, and now we have the problem of good. Not the problem of evil, but the problem of good. If the world is is corrupted and everyone in the world, meaning us, human beings, is only capable of evil, then where the good come from? Let's turn to Titus chapter 3, verse 4 and 6. The Apostle Paul shows us where this goodness comes from. For ourselves, also we sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers, lust and pleasure, living in malice and envy and hateful, hating one another. Okay, that sounds like evil. But after that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, Toward man appeared not by works of righteousness which we have done. Case in point, Noah couldn't kept that righteousness that God has cleansed. But according to his mercy, he saved us. By washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. The goodness of that is in the world, introduced when Jesus Christ was born. That's where goodness comes from. Before the time of Jesus Christ, there was no goodness. Evil reigned in the heart of man continually. Only when Jesus Christ came, regenerate those who are born in him. Then, now, there is a path to goodness. We have been set free from the bonds of Satan to serve the living God. Goodness comes from obeying God's will as it is in Christ's obedience to the Father. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Goodness only comes when we set aside our own will, our own free will, and obey God's will. Think about it this way. When you fall in love, you can't but feel like you're in love. There's nothing you can do. You don't have to sleep. You don't have to eat. It just happened to you. When the love of God comes on us, experience this euphoria. This is what it means to be in God's grace. When God comes on us, there's nothing you can do but love him. This is what the true free will is. God shows us something that's beautiful and our soul just attaches to him. That is what Jesus Christ brought. He brought the proof that a gracious God is able to bring goodness out of this dark and evil world who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world according to the will of God. Jesus Christ came so that he can instill in us this grace so that we can put aside our own evil free will and choose to obey God. That freedom right there that I'm talking about is the freedom that God has made us in the beginning and that we have lost. And now Jesus Christ restore the freedom and now we can, of free will, love God. And that's the kind of love that overcomes evil because that love requires sacrifice. The good. Romans 12, 21. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the reason why you and I, we are here in this evil world. So that we can overcome evil with good. A good world is not one that doesn't have evil, but one that evil is overcome by love. This is the reason why you and I were in the world. So that we can overcome evil. So that we can show the love of Jesus Christ. Because, be of good cheer, I have overcome the world. So we have been called to not suffer in in this place and do nothing about it. God has called us into this world so that we can overcome the evil with the goodness that God, or Jesus Christ, had allowed us to be free in. The value of freedom. We're not robots, we're not puppets. God would have made the world into a place where everything just works the way that He wants us to. But that's not the world that God made. And the question is, why? I don't have an answer. But that's the world that God made. And I just believe that my responsibility and my role in this world is to reflect the love and to to let the world know that love is more powerful than hatred. God gave us freedom. With freedom comes terrible choices. You can poke out your eyes, even right now. Even though we are capable of doing incredible evil things, we know that there is a force that does not constrain us to do something, but we willingly Freely obey that force. And that's what goodness means. Freedom is incorruptible when it comes from the inside. Freedom is corruptible when it's only on the outside. No man taketh from me, but I lay down of myself, Jesus says. Jesus showed us that he had the free will to not obey, but he didn't. He obeyed. He willingly obeyed the Father. Jesus Christ displayed the, perfect, the perfection of God's creative endeavor in granting humanity free will. When Jesus willingly chose to lay down his life, he showed the world God's perfect creation. This is how God meant for us to live. Freely love him, freely choose to obey his will rather than our own lust. So what are we supposed to do? Learn to do good. This is what Jesus taught. I'm just going to read it to you. Let's open with me to Matthew chapter 5, verse 38 through 45. Ye have heard that it hath been said, An eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that ye resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man sue thee at the law, and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. Now here is the thing that we should do. Ye have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thy enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them that despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his son to rise, on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and the unjust." This is how we're supposed to live. This is what we should do. Jesus laid it out very clear. Resist not evil, meaning don't run away from it. Don't hide from it. But respond to evil with good. And what is good? Good is the obedience to God's will. Good is sacrifice. Good is to turn the other cheek. Good is to ask nothing in return. Good is to pray for your enemy, good is to love your enemy, not only pray for you, love your enemies. Good is bless those that curse you, do good, give to those that hate you. Think about that. When someone hates you, what do you want to do? You want to kill them all from your memory, don't you? Pray for those who harm and persecute you, not just the one who are your friends. That's how we should respond. The biblical answer to evil is this. God intends to save us. God's intention is to save us. He sacrificed Jesus Christ to demonstrate to you that God's intention is to save us. The best thing in the universe is the Lord Jesus Christ. And God sacrificed the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. Jeremiah twenty nine eleven For I know the thoughts that I have toward you, saith the Lord thoughts of peace and not evil, to give you an expected end. We need to believe in a good God. We need to believe in a God that doesn't abandon us. We need to believe in a God that doesn't matter what happened. In the end, he will save us. I can't force you to change. That's just the outside. What's on the inside will reflect on the outside. Jesus says this, clean the inside and the outside will be cleansed also. Where your heart is, Joseph's dilemma is this, his brothers, his family abandoned him. They thought it was evil to kill him. At first, they thought that they would kill him. And they reconsidered and said, no, that's too bad, that's that's really evil. Let's do something less evil, let's just sell him to be a slave, that's less evil. All the decisions that you make, even though you don't think that it matters, If God rewinds that video of your life and all the decisions that you make and the reason why you make those decisions and you think about it, oh, I didn't think that was bad at all. I thought killing my brother was a bad thing, but I I didn't do anything bad. I just sold him as a slave. Think about our actions. And something we said, hey, it's not that bad. Just rewind and look at it in a bigger context. Joseph's response to this evil was to show kindness and love. He could have said, you know what? It doesn't matter. I'm just going to give up. And then famine would come, and then his family would have been hungry, and he would have not been there to help them. And they would have died out as a race. There would have been no Israel. But Joseph decided, no, there is something good that would come out of this evil. And God has chosen me to go through all these pain and suffering in jail, in prison, and it seems like there's no end. Just one calamity after another. But that he stuck out until the end. And even when he saw his brother, he finally realized it's God's will to save this whole nation of Israel. But unless for him to go to Egypt and became second in command after Pharaoh, he couldn't save his nation. So all this evil is necessary to bring about good in the end. Don't be despair. I'm not despair. I say that by faith, actually. Because my eyes, if I look, if I look around, there's a lot of things that I can be despaired of. I have faith that just one person, if I can just find one person that will, you know what, I don't have a ride here to church today and I'm going to walk here to church. I'm going to find that person. I'm going to find that kid. And I pour everything I have into that kid. Just that one that looked at evil in a whole different light. Behold, we count them happy which endure. You have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. The character of a good God is his tender mercy. In the end, Job, the end of Job was the result of a good God. He was blessed. But in the whole process, he said, God did not do this wicked thing to me, even though he allowed it. But he said, in the end, God will be justified. Good and evil forces in the world suggest a deep moral struggle. Evil is the external manifestation of an inner corruption. If you find yourself do evil, your conscience is defiled. There is something that's corrupt in the inside. We can wash the outside, but if evil sipping out of you, there's nothing you can do but keep washing and evil just keep coming out. Goodness is the external manifestation of the inner love. When you see someone do good, it does not necessarily mean that they have a good heart. But when someone who has a good heart, they cannot do evil. In the hands of man's cruelty and hatred, Christ's tenderness and love for humanity shine. The Christian love is that force that will overcome evil. We might not know why evil happens, but we are not powerless against it. It happens all the time. I wish that things are different, but I can't just wish things to be different. You and I, we got to do something about it. If you want something that is good, you need to get up and put your hand to it and fix it. That's the only way. That's the only way for this life to be... What we are called to do is that you and I, we got to put our hands to it. When you see something broken, do you just wish that it wasn't broken? Or do you think that God has called you to fix it? Fix it, people. We need to put our hands to it. We can't just wish things to be different. God has called us to do it, to fix it, to make things better. God has called us to walk the walk, not just look at it, analyze, and then, oh no, there's so much evil. But do something about it. Jesus Christ has enabled and empowered us to bring goodness into this world. When you see someone who is hurting, you say, oh, too bad that person is hurting. When you see someone who is sick, you say, too bad that person is sick. I don't know. I hope it gets better. I got a call on Monday. I couldn't hear what was said on the other side. All I hear is a lot of crying. That's all. And on this side, I don't know what to say. I don't think I should say anything. But it just seems so wrong not to do something. But all I could do was listen. at this sobbing, this crying, and I could not make out a single word that the person is saying. So I don't know what is wrong. I don't know how to help. But I listened to this call and the thing that really gets to me was what should I do? There's something, there's got to be something that I can do. I don't need to say anything, but there's got to be something. We have something that we can do and we can offer. And so in the end, I said, "Can can I pray for you? Before I hung up the phone, I said, I'll check up on you, is that okay? We go through this together, it will be okay, you will be fine, you will get better. We can't look at evil and we say, gee, there's a lot of evil in the world. We should look at evil and see all this evil in the world and we should say, thank God that I'm here. Let me do something, a little thing that I can do to overcome this evil. Let's come to the Lord in prayer. Father, we are called by you, not just analyze those things that we see and then throw up our hands and say, God, is too much for us, but that Jesus Christ has shown that you are more powerful, that your love can conquer the heartaches, the pain, the suffering, and the terrible calamity that happens around the world and in our lives and beyond. I pray that each person here would empty themselves of their own selfishness and put on the Lord Jesus Christ and be Jesus Christ. To overcome evil with love, with compassion, with tender mercy, with love. So that, Lord, in the end that we would see your promise in your gospel that good will prevail, that the will of the Lord will be established in this earth that the reign of the Lord Jesus Christ will triumph over sin and death. Evil will not win. Evil will not conquer. Evil will not put us down. But the goodness of the Lord Jesus Christ will be the light and beacon. And we are those who will bear this light into this world. We pray all this in the name of Jesus.